As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. If you're buying a very large property, it may not make that much of a difference because it's a strictly business transaction. But if you're trying to buy smaller properties, creating a relationship with the seller is hugely important if it's a direct-to-seller type thing. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate you can click that join the affiliate program and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the best ever conference in keystone colorado and we will be talking more about this on future episodes but for now go check out bec20.com and that affiliate page you can earn 15 percent as an affiliate and we will see you in keystone colorado best ever listeners how you doing welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm joe fairless this is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever we don't get into any of that fluffy stuff what to say jens nielsen how you doing jens i'm doing quite well how are you joe i am doing well and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about jens he's a denmark native been in the u.s since 1996 investing in multifamily since 2016 Owns 82 units in New Mexico and Colorado. They're all value-add deals based in Durango, Colorado. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. So as you just mentioned, I grew up in Denmark, been here since 1996, and actually moved to London in the early 90s and then to the east coast of the United States in Maryland and then on to the west coast through Albuquerque, New Mexico, and now Colorado. And I followed the traditional path. I go to school, get a good education, get a job, and save me 401k and what I thought you were supposed to do until I kind of got the wake-up call a few years ago and realized that probably was not the path for sustainable wealth and and income. So (laughs) kind of had a mindset shift there a few years ago. So what takes your focus now? What are you doing? I still have a W-2 job, but my focus is really a couple of things. When I had that realization a few years ago, I started out buying some smaller properties just because, hey, let me put my own money at risk and see how this goes. And 
So I did that and that worked out pretty well. I connected with some local investors and then they told me to reach out to this broker and he helped me a lot, an older gentleman who wants to help newer investors. And he helped me a lot with sourcing deals and rehabbing and everything. So did that, started with those smaller properties. And then since that, it's kind of moved into started some joint ventures, bought some larger properties with some friends and family, and then actually doing some syndications here in the last year. So it's kind of progressing. Once you get that real estate bug, you can't really stop, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, that is very true. So let's talk about the 82 units you have in New Mexico and Colorado. What's the largest deal of those 82? 38 units. So that's the one we bought about a year and a half ago. Let's talk about that one. Where was it? Purchase price, business plan, all that stuff. So that's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's like 70s vintage class C property and probably in a B minus area. We bought that for $1.2 million. So we are, <laughs> that's uh, my broker slash property manager and a couple of friends. So, you know, a group okay. of five of us that brought the capital to the deal. So three friends, you broker plus three friends? Yeah. Okay. Got it. So I think it was listed at 1.55, we ended up getting it for 1.2 million. And it was one of these situations where the owner was out of state, they hadn't really put any money back into the deal. So it was just deteriorating and plumbing issues and delinquencies and just kind of falling apart. And we were able to get it at a reasonable price, but also with the realization it needed a lot of work. So I think we only got a 50% loan to the cost at that time. And then we, we brought another you know, $600,000 to the deal which we've then, and then we got a construction loan from the bank. So we've been using that 600,000 to really fix up the property, which is new roofs. Cause for some reason, every roof in New Mexico is flat, which is a pain in yeah. what they always tend to leak. They have some mansard roof too. What kind? The mansard where the shingles are on the front of the building, not just on the top. No, it's, typically- a, it's, a, it's a hideous looking, it, it looks hideous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's typically like parapets where you have build up stucco and then you have the roof a foot below that with canales as they call them and the run, water runs off. But back in the day, they all tend to be like flat, flat, meaning there's hardly any slope on there. So a lot of issues with standing water and so forth. We ended up putting a brand new membrane roof on there and replaced all the windows, did new stucco, new, it's like two stories with exterior decking, new, you know, decking, new parking lot. And then we've just been tearing up the units and pretty much gutting them to the studs. So a lot wow. of work, slow process and not your typical slight value add where you're trying to invest in a couple of years. This is a longer term hole for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How do you make the decision to gut the units to the studs versus just spruce it up some? Just because the cabinets were in poor shape. We had a, some plumbing issues. So we had to go into the walls to fix the plumbing. Flooring was subfloor and the upper stories were not very solid. So we had to put some backer down and then put those vinyl plank flooring in. And we didn't tear the drywall out on every wall. If it was in good shape, we left that. But there was a lot of places we were in the studs, especially for the plumbing issues. And the decision was really, we don't have any investors. We are just a group of people that are long-term buying and hold. So if it takes us a few years to start seeing a return, that's totally fine because we know the long-term value is there and we just want to keep it as a long-term cash flow type thing. How do you define long-term? 10 plus years. Is that how the rest of the four are defining it as well? Yeah, that was how we entered into it. It was basically, hey, this is going to be 10 years at least in order for it to be worthwhile putting all that money into it, right? Okay. And how much money do you have in the deal? Personally, 
or uh, yeah, personally, about a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, and does everyone have about a hundred? It varies a little bit. Some have slightly less, some have slightly more. But as equal, I own about twenty percent of that deal personally. And how did you all determine who brings what amount of money? So we just sat down and kind of negotiated, and here's what we need to raise, and what people are interested in bringing to the deal. So it was kind of an organic discussion. We just said, hey, this is what I can bring. This is what I can bring. And we just came up with the money. We needed 600000 and that's how we <laughs> we got to it. Mm-hmm. Any challenges in putting together a partnership with five people that you've come across? I think some people want to be more active and have it more hands-on. And really, project the rehab is being run by a property manager slash he has a construction company. And he calls the shots. And at times, hey, Questioning some of the decisions is, hey, why did you do this? And what was the rationale behind it? So that's occasions like what's going on here and why are we doing this? And then try to understand that. I think that's the major thing. And what are the roles of everyone on the project? You talked about the broker slash property manager. That's clear. What about you and the other three? I'm actually heading there to this afternoon. So I do kind of the side visits and kind of see what the rehab is, how the rehab is going. And um, we have, you know, some of the other guys are look over the monthly expenses and summarize those and, and, and tax returns and other things, right? Some are more active than others for sure, but everybody, you know, kind of takes an active role in what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that is the largest unit size, 38 units. What's the next largest? That's a 16 unit that we just closed on in May. And we are now, in this case, my wife and myself. So we just bought that outright. Well, not outright. We had the down payment and got a loan on it. And it was interesting because that was one of those I found through direct mail. I sent out some letters. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Everybody talks about it, but this actually worked out. It was a you know, gentleman that I owned for about 10 years, and he was just typical mom and pop type of, of managing it and dealing with his tenants. So we negotiated for like eight months before we finally had enough relationship that he was willing to sell it to me, I guess. So that was, that was interesting. Oh, man. Let's talk about this. Direct mail, where'd you buy the list? <laughs> well, people are going to think that this is crazy. I actually created my own list, me and my wife, a few years ago. We just sat down and started looking at apartments.com and just started looking where are the apartment buildings, the area we liked, what are the sizes, and we'd start creating our own list from scratch, essentially, figured out who the owners were, which was time-consuming, but also New Mexico is a non-disclosure state, so it's not super easy to find that information. So we just did it the hard way, created a list and started writing mail merge letters and hand wrote the envelopes. And that was the process. So how did you find the information if it's a non-disclosure state? Well, we could see some of these rental sites. We could see what the unit size were. And, and then we could go to the assessor's office to figure out who the owner was. And then if it was an LLC, we could go to the state's business registration and figure that out and, and try to Google a bunch of stuff. But we didn't have any information about when it was last sold or what it was sold for. So I'm sure we sent letters to people who had just sold it or had only mm-hmm. for a short period of time. But it wasn't a lot of letters, probably two or 300 at a few different intervals. What was your interval? Every two to three months, we would target them. Okay. Every two to three months, how many intervals did you do before you got your first deal? This gentleman, he said, I've had your letter for a while and I wasn't ready to sell, but now I'm ready. So I don't know if we only sent one or two to him, but he didn't get a whole bunch. He was just somehow liked <laughs> a message <laughs> or something. And, uh, That's great. Decided, yeah, absolutely. So how many intervals have you done to date? I stopped again when I got more involved in syndication because I realized 
a 16 unit is great if you're one or two people buying it, but you can't syndicate it. And I kind of didn't have a whole lot of capital left. So I stopped doing it, but I may start it up again if I want to buy some smaller properties again, which is not really in my radar okay. at this point. So about how many intervals have you done then? Probably three or four. It's about a year where we were sending okay. them out every you know two or three months. So it wasn't a ton. And I have a few other people that reached out to me that I still have kind of in my back pocket that maybe at some point I can reach back out to them and see if they're willing to sell. What's the letter say or what did it say? This said something like, dear Mr. John, we saw your property at 123 Main Street. We're real estate investors in your state and we're looking to buy your property if you're interested in selling. And then a picture of me and my wife and an mm -hmm. email and a phone number. So just very simple. Clearly something that was handmade, if you will. Yeah. So it didn't look like the postcards you may get dozens right. and dozens of, right? So. Do you have any children? No children. Okay. And what type of attire were you and your wife wearing in the picture? I think it was just like a picture on uh, of us in, on vacation somewhere. Just very, very casual. You know? Okay. And did you address the person by name? Yeah, dear John, and then the address of the property. Okay. okay. Eight months of negotiation. How did the first call go? He called me and said, hey, I've had your letter for a while. I wasn't ready to sell, but now I'm looking to sell. And I think I made some mistakes there. I'm kind of an analytical guy. So I kind of like wanted to go straight to, hey, what do you want for your property? And let's right. see if you can make a deal. <laughs> which, was, which was a mistake. And I've learned that since because I said, well, that sounds interesting. Send me some info. And he shared his P&Ls and stuff like that. It wasn't, you know, it was a, kind of a hand. Yeah. You know, his own, But it was still pretty accurate. And I could see, well, that actually kind of makes sense. Went down there and he showed me the property. And then I think I kind of probably offended him by Trying to lowball him a little bit. I know. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't even get that out. You felt embarrassed almost. You're like, I was trying to, uh, well, well, well I lowballed him. Because <laughs> I realized it needed some work. It was a little bit tired and stuff, but. Did he have a number initially? He wanted somewhere in close to 800000 for it. That's what he told you initially? He said he had gotten a broker's opinion on it, which was seven eighty or 800 or something. Okay. And what was your offer? I think it was in the low 700s because- Your first one? Yeah. That's so. not an embarrassing low offer. People get very emotional attached to something because I know he paid, when I saw his loan off, payoff, he had paid over 800 for it but in 2008. Mm. I said, okay, well, you've also had your 10 plus years of rent income and payoff of your mortgage and everything else, right? So he said to me, well, I guess we have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you, how do you respond to that? I said, well, I'm sorry. And then I just left him alone for a bit. And then I was like, okay, well, let me maybe be more realistic around my numbers. And I came back and I said, okay, I'm thinking like around 740. I can probably do, because I talked to the bank and they were willing to roll some rehab costs into the loan and so forth. That's what we ended up buying it for was 740. How long did it take for you to follow up with him on your revised offer? It was probably a month or something. I thought a deal was dead. I just couldn't get it out of my head because I liked the property. So it was a while. I can't remember exactly. But he cooled off. I cooled off. And we were <laughs> back on speaking terms. You know. <laughs> was that a phone call or was that an email where you had the revised offer? I think it was a email and then followed up with a phone call. And then he started kind of like, yeah, like, oh, that, that works out. And I went back and I took my property manager and we toured the units because we wanted to make sure we weren't overpaying for it in terms of what the amount of work it needed. And it was kind of a conversation that 
we can continue to, to develop that relationship. <laughs> I should have developed earlier, I guess. So eight months time frame. How long once you had it under contract did it take to close? Well, that actually took a while too because he was off. He's an attorney and he was off traveling, doing some work out of state. So from the LOI to actual closing was probably four months or five months or something, just because he was dragging his feet and then the bank was kind of taking it slowly. But it actually worked out because, you know, interest rates were kind of high late last year. So the interest rate actually ended up dropping by the time we closed on it in May. So that helped a lot. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with that 16 unit, was that when you made a decision, okay, I don't have much capital left to invest. So now I want to turn my focus to syndication. Yeah, I think I have a kind of two-pronged approach. I like to have some properties that are just mine or ours. We don't have to answer to investors and we can just keep them and give us some cash flow that will just continue to come in. I like that. And then syndications investing. I've been investing in that passively for, for years. Um, and some people reached out to me and said, hey, we've seen the work you've done. Are you, are you interested in being on the GP in one of our deals? And that was super interesting. And going from 38 to 205 units was pretty exciting. And it's a whole different ballgame. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I think it's basically, you know, create, if you're trying to work with individual investors, create a relationship with them before you try to get to the bottom line. Yeah, that was something that came true on that 16 unit, right? Exactly. I think if you're buying a very large property, it may not make that much of a difference because it's a strictly business transaction. But if you're trying to buy smaller properties, creating a relationship with the seller is hugely important if it's a direct-to-seller type thing. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever book you've recently read? Begin with why Simric, I think it's Simon Sinek. What's the best ever deal you've done? I think the 16 unit, that's turning out to be a really good deal. In what way? We're actually like 10% above our projected rents and the units we rehabbed already. And we've gotten it painted and everything else. And it just looks really awesome. And it's in a great area. So I think it's going to be a long-term great cash flowing asset. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already? I think initially I was buying properties in areas that weren't that great because, oh, they're cheap, so what can possibly go wrong? Well, in reality, just because it's inexpensive and it looks good on paper, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make money in the long term. Best of all, you like to give back to the community. I do some coaching. I have some students that I help coach and new investors and stuff like that, so that's a great way to kind of share some of my knowledge and, and help them grow. And best way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing. 
My email is jens, J-E-N-S, at opendoorscapital.com. And I like to offer people, if you want to schedule a call, they can go to my website, opendoorscapital.com slash call and schedule a call with me if you want to chat about real estate. Jens, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about your advice. The 16 unit, holy cow, I love hearing about the direct mail approach and how that worked out for you and the specifics for how you did direct mail. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.